So hello everyone, um, we're living in a very, very crazy season, that's why we decided as a whole preaching team and stuff of ICSU, let's start a brand new series about crisis, and I think this is a, a very important topic right now, and the topic is using crisis. I don't know if you are belonging to those people who say, oh, I, I love and enjoy crisis, uh, I, cannot, I can say from my side, I don't like crisis. Um, right now we're living in this coronavirus and can you imagine or do you remember the good old days when we gather in a public building, we lift our hands, we prayed for each other, we touched each other, we hold hands, we shake hands and everything. This was six weeks ago since ever then. Everything has changed. We are in amazing crisis. And when we read the news, they will saying the, the, the old normal will not be the new normal. If otherwise, when the virus is over, the world will be a different age or a different position. A lot of things will be changed. And I think change is not, everything is bad, but certain things it will change forever. And certain things we will say, oh my gosh, there was the good, good old days. But we are in the middle. That means the coronavirus has started and it has not come to complete end. That means we are in the middle. And in the middle is for me, a, a very simple illustration it's like a box our lives like it's like a box you know we came to a conclusion we got married maybe you bought an apartment maybe you're working in a company you are attending a church or you planted a church and this is like our box and this box works very well because God has blessed us with so many things and we are really really happy you know what happens in a crisis actually everything comes on the pressure starts to shake and this is the moment when the cover gets open and all of a sudden you can see what is really inside of the box you know right now a lot of people they're saying oh in the coronavirus i'm i feel so bored or my, my family, we fight every single night, or I, I cannot stand my kids anymore, or not even my dog anymore. And a lot of people, you are really shocked what is in the box. But here is actually a good news, or maybe it's a bad news. Don't be shocked what is in the box, because what is in the box has already been for a long time in your box. In every crisis or under pressure comes only out what was already in you. For example, if you have a lemon, and you put the lemon on the table, uh, there, you, you cannot see the, the, the juice. But if you cut a lemon and you squeeze it, if you push it on the pressure, comes out lemon juice. That means don't be shocked that out of a lemon comes a lemon juice. That means the lemon juice has already been in the lemon. With other words, what comes out of the box has already been in the box. That means for me, in every crisis, this is a big opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, I need, I need a miracle. I need really, release me from a lot of habits or stuff in my life. And if you allow the Holy Spirit in a crisis to work in you and around you and over you, then comes a fresh air in the box and things will go to a brand new other level. And that's why for me, example, in my box, here is my agenda. Don't be shocked, this is my agenda, um, a lot of colors, and right now I should supposed to be in America to preach in LA, San Diego, Scottsdale's, and right now I'm here preaching to you guys, and in this crisis, all the flights have been canceled. It does something in me, and I say, God, I, I don't like the virus, I don't like change, I like to travel, but something in me to feel bored, being home every single day, 
It's a big topic right now for me. And I think if I allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me, I come to a total other bigger level. I googled a little bit about crisis and I was quite shocked. We're not the only one. If you think we are the only one we're going to crisis now, it happens through all the ages, through all the history. For example, in the 13th century, a big, big virus took place and it lasted for six years. They called the Black Death. One third of the European population died. 25 million people died for six years. I said, oh my gosh, oh, right now the coronavirus, we may be in the week, week number five. And we ask a question, how long will it last? For those people, six years. But here's the good news. We have a lot of good hospitals. And right now the doctors, they take care for all those people. They are affected by the coronavirus. In the 13th century, people covered themselves to be protected from that virus. And when I saw the picture, it looks really weird. But in our days, we cover with, with, uh, with also some masks. Um, and some people, they have funny masks. They put on some very, very funny masks. It looks like a horse. There could be something. Or other people, they have very, very creative, funny masks. And even ICF Cambodia, they invented the ICF Cambodia mask. And with other words, when I saw this, I started to laugh because in every age and every season, people were managing and working out a way, find a way to win. But in the 13th century, and even right now, the coronavirus, and here's a statement, life after the coronavirus will not be the same anymore. That means either we're getting better or we're getting bitter. Sour or something sweet comes out in the spirit. And I really believe that this season God will use it to, uh, to enlighten revival, reformation, and we got more on fire for Christ than ever before. Hey, the Bible uses a very simple uh, uh, illustration about the new age or a new season. The Bible used the word aeon. Aeon, you can find the word aeon in the Bible all the time to the whole scripture, all the time and time. It means a new period, means a lifetime or a new season. And God is a God of the aeon. And right now, the whole entire body of Christ around the world, we experience a brand new aeon that certain things are shaked and we have to empty it, and the Holy Spirit will add something stronger and bigger before. I know a lot of people, they say, I'm, I'm so tired about that slogan. We come stronger out of the crisis than we ended the crisis. A lot of people say, I cannot, I cannot stand that slogan anymore. It sucks. But hey, it's a new aeon. For example, I want to give you three aeons in the Bible. In the days of Noah... People ate and drank and they get married and they thought life is so cool. And God gave them so many times a warning sign. Said, guys, you have to be re revived again and you turn around to God. And they didn't listen. And God sent a punishment and a flood came and killed all the people beside Noah's family. When Noah came out, a new age, a new aeon started, and God made a covenant, and covenant with the rainbow and said, from now on, I will never destroy human beings anymore. That means a new season and a new aeon was invented by God Almighty. The second aeon in the Bible, like in the times of Moses, the people got bigger. They have been slaves for so many years, actually. And God was saying, 
Hold the Pesach, clean your houses, that mean clean for all your sins and all the souls and everything. And when they hold the Pesach, they were leaving their houses and they were set free by God. But in the desert, God gave them the Ten Commandments. When you hear the Ten Commandments, you say, oh my gosh, ten things we're not supposed to do. No, the Ten Commandments was a, a covenant. I am your almighty God, all-present God and all-known. From now on, I will be with you to the end of the age. That means a new aeon took place. The third time when you can see an aeon was when Jesus Christ came. The Bible says when, when before Christ came, people, they ate and drank and got married and did all the stuff and they felt judgment day is far away. But then Jesus Christ came and he shakes everything because he started to heal people, set people free, he forgave people, he did amazing things. Can you imagine? But the day when he died, the disciples thought, now all is over. And they put Jesus into the grave and they thought the kingdom of God is over. Hey, but some days later, when the box has been empty, all the disciples ever run away because they felt the kingdom of God is over. But God was supposed to start a brand new aeon, a new season, a new lifetime. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven. People started to speak in tongues and all of a sudden a new revival took place. A new movement was started and you cannot stop the kingdom of God anymore. With other words, if we allow God to shake this situation right now, the coronavirus brings only out what is already in your box And if you handle this very well with the Holy Spirit, it comes and you air in, and I really believe after coronavirus, a new season starts, a new movement takes place because church is not a building. Hey, we always preach about it. Church is not a building. It's just people, they believe in God Almighty wherever we are. Now the church becomes global and worldwide, and I really believe a new aeon has started and I want to use this situation to be stronger and closer to Jesus Christ. Some people, they ask me three questions to emails and social media. The question number one is, they ask me, is the virus a punishment from God? It's a serious question from a lot of Christians. The second question is, this is a conspiracy theory. Is this from Bill Gates or made in China? Or some people will say, oh, it's just a virus. They ask me, they approach me for advice. Hey, listen to me. If this is a punishment from God or made by Bill Gates or made in China or just a virus, for me, two things matters. First of all, the question is, what is inside of the box? I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. And say, God, help me, heal me, redeem me. That's my point number one. And the second point, if even if I will know that the world comes to an end tomorrow, I will plant a tree. Martin Luther said, if I will know the world comes to an end by tomorrow, I will plant a tree right now. And I want to ask you right now, have you planted a tree today? Have you planted a tree yesterday? Let's love our neighbors. Let's share our food with people. Let's pray for people they're close and close and they're not far, they're far away from God. And I really believe if you if you say to God, here I am, use me to enlarge your kingdom, and you aon will start a on a new season who was bigger 
than before the virus. And I really believe this is one of the biggest opportunity from God Almighty to the local church, to the body of Christ. If we are awakened, if we got revived, revelation takes place. And I really think you cannot stop the kingdom of God anymore. That's actually good news. I will hand over to Tobias Tycon. The point number one, and he's an amazing friend, an amazing preacher and dude. Here's Tobias Tyken. Thank you, Pastor Leo. So I have my carton here too. It's about my life. And in the crisis, a lot of things are coming up which I don't like. Maybe I'm afraid of it. And now I want to take a biblical metaphor for the corona situation. So it's a story in another background, but I want to use it for the our actual situation. It's about Joseph in Genesis 37. Uh, Joseph was uh, sold from his brothers in slavery and he came to a, a household where he was working. And in this season, it, it went a little bit better in his life life and I can read to you in Genesis 39 it's from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptians because of Joseph the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and the field so it's getting better in Joseph's life in this season and but then Uh, the wife of the boss is coming in his life and I want to give her gave him a name the name of the wife I would tell now it's Corona Let's tell her Corona and uh, give her the name. So Corona came in his life and he was uh, innocent. He did nothing wrong, but because Corona came in his life, he was put in prison. So this is a situation of our ourselves as well. So we maybe had a good season or a bad season in our life. I don't know. But then Corona came in our life without, we did, we did nothing wrong, but now we are in isolation. Uh, we are like in a prison because we can't do the things we did before. And this season, like in Joseph's life, it's like the curtain is open. And God is showing us things which are there for all the time and shows us things. So the first thing we recognize in crisis is that we are out of control. We recognize we don't have our life in control. Until then, we have the lie in our in our heads that we can control things, that we can uh, control our life like a captain on a ship. We know where to go, but in the crisis, we recognize we have nothing in control. So how do we react? In Germany, for example, a lot of people react like uh, they, they, they buy uh, like... Uh, Panic buying. They go in stores and uh, they, they buy things and we th you think, why do you buy them? Because we want to take back the control of, of our life. So Karl Lagerfeld told us, it's, uh, he said, the person who's wearing sweatpants has lost the control over his life. I don't know if you're wearing all the time sweatpants at home because nobody sees you at home. But the thing is, in the crisis, we, don't, we, have, uh, we recognize that we don't have our life in control. And it's a good thing because until then, we like... Uh, a child who's sitting in the back seat and uh, maybe has uh, like a steering wheel and is driving and, and the child is thinking, I'm driving the car when I go left, it's going left and the child is not recognizing that the father is driving the car and we are only in the back seat and then on one moment the child wants to go on the left side but the car stops and the child is upset, why is this car not going on the left side? And this is a situation in a crisis. We want to show where to go, but then the, the uh, car is stopping like in Corona. The, our life is a little bit stopping. And now we have the things in our mind. We recognize things in our carton who's already there. For example, when I had a, a crisis, it was like when my son was born. He had to go on a special, uh, for one week on a special kids Uh, hospital station and it was only for one week but in this week I get to know a lot of families and these families had really tough situations sometimes over weeks over months they had to go to this hospital because the children were very sick 
And when I was only one week in this situation, I recognized I had the illusion in my life that when you want to have a baby, then you, you have sex and the baby is coming, everything is great, you go for a few days in hospital, then you go home and everything is well. And I recognized, no, a lot of people have a lot of pain and it's a miracle when we breathe, when our heart is beating. So during this time, God changed the hearts of us. He's changing the things inside of our carton. Like in Joseph's life, he's changing him from an arrogant person to a humility person who's following God. So the way is, how can I go through the crisis? It's like I have a different perspective. The perspective is that in my life, in all the health crisis or other crises I had, Afterwards, I was thinking, uh, if I only knew that in advance, that God is leading me all through this process, that a lot of my sorrows is not, uh, there's no reason for it. And of course, the Bible is telling us in Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God has promised us we can have a different perspective in the crisis. It's like a story of two men and they have the same circumstances but they have totally different perspective. The two, two guys have the same working conditions. They have to work for one year without holidays in a bad uh, mute. They, uh, they know they will pay it in the end. They have to work for 80 hours a week and it's really tough. But one guy thinking after one year I will get uh, the salary and I will get 15,000 euros. The other guy is thinking, after one year, I, will don't get, I don't get 15,000 euros, I will get 15 million euros. So both guys go in the same working situation, the bad situation. They work. The guy who's thinking, I will only have 15,000 euros at the end of the year, he is in a bad mood, he is uh, depressive, he, he, he wants to give up. But the other guy who's working in the same situation, the same bad situation, is thinking, in one year I will have 15 million. And because of this uh, perspective, this guy is going in a good mood, he's happy doing his working, and he's enjoying his life, even in a tough situation. So what is the difference? The perspective. One guy is thinking, I will have a goal and it will be good, and the other guy is thinking it will be bad. So I want to read it to you to, from 2 Corinthians. It's like, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, what is right in front of us, the crisis, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we can have a different perspective. And I want to encourage you, in the crisis, don't run away from yourself because you're like in the prison like Joseph is. Everything outside is different. So we can really ask God and pray and open the Bible and ask him, show me what is inside of my carton, what is inside of me, where I believe in illusions and help me to go through this. Because I promise you, if you look in your carton and you are open and you're honest, God will heal you and will free you. And through the crisis, you will be stronger than before. And so it means that afterwards, because the Holy Spirit is working, you can be used in, from God in a totally different way. And how this could look like, Johannes will tell us now. In every crisis, the most natural reaction is to ask questions. So why must that happen to me? And what, what did I do wrong to come in that, in that situation? Or is God evil? Or uh, why, why, why is the, the, the universe so bad to me? And stuff like that. So, so you, you, you ask 
you ask questions, you question the crisis. And there is uh, a possible shift that might occur, that can occur in your, in, in your thinking, that uh, can turn it all around. And this is what happened with Viktor Frankl. It's a very, a very popular, very famous story that you might have heard before. Viktor Frankl was one of the disciples, one of the uh, students of Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud was the founder of, um, of uh, psychoanalysis. So Viktor Frankl was a young Jewish researcher and he was arrested by the Nazis and put in a prison camp to Auschwitz, in a concentration camp. And, when he, answered, when, when he entered the concentration camp, he realized that um, just as uh, a former inmate of a prison that I met myself, of a concentration camp that I met myself, he told me uh, most people within two or three weeks, they cracked mentally. And as soon as they had cracked mentally, they also degenerated physically and, and actually died. So um, Viktor Frankl perceived that, he saw that, and he came to the conclusion that, you know what, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a psychologist, and I will accept it as my task in this difficult situation to answer this, the question, what makes people survive in a surrounding like that? And uh, he, he started, not, he, actually he started to stop asking the question, why does, does this happen to me? Why did my wife die? Why did my parents die? Which, uh, in fact, which was a fact, but he said, okay, what, what question does this crisis ask me? So like I'm interrogated, I'm questioned by the crisis and the crisis waits for my response. And his response was, as a researcher, I want to find out solutions for, for situations like that. And he actually, he wrote a book about the meaning of life as soon as he has left, left concentration camp Auschwitz. And he founded logotherapy. Logotherapy basically is a therapeutic model that is based on the assumption that humans cannot survive without a deep meaning of life. So it was the simple shift in his thinking, stopping to ask questions to the crisis, but to ask what question does the crisis, what question does life ask me, that made all the difference. First of all, he himself survived, but then he came out with a solution that helped probably millions of people around the world since, uh, since he started uh, logotherapy. So this is basically a very biblical model that you find in biblical figures as well. So we believe in a benevolent and a loving God, and you might assume, all right, if God loves me, he will keep me from, from, from any, any harm. He will keep me from crisis. But the thing is, if you read the Bible, I think there is not one biblical hero figure, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, that was that was saved from all crises. Like, like no harm ever meets you. Quite on the contrary, uh, you see very prominent biblical figures who had to undergo the most severe of crises. Uh, just giving you two very famous examples. The first one is uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. The second one, obviously, is Jesus. Let's start with Joseph. It's the same pattern. Joseph is the favorite son of his father, the patriarch Jacob. And he is a he's, he, he's a guy with a, he aspires too much, so to say. He has he has big dreams. He dreams that the sun, the moon are um, beneath his feet, and that he is he's a grand personality. And the next, and actually, this is a vocation from God. This is a true calling. It's not just a, not just fantasy. So, but the next thing that happens is quite the contrary. Um, his brothers sell him into slavery. So, from from being the, the beloved son of his father, he ends up a slave. In, this, in slavery. 
he gets to jail. So being a slave in jail is like one of the worst situations that you can have. And he's, he's even innocent. And he could really, he could really get aggressive and complaining on life and questioning life. And why is life so bad to me? Why is God even so evil towards me? Uh, but, but he chooses another step. So basically he, he remains faithful. And after these years in the prison, in a sudden turn of the events, Joseph gets promoted to be uh, second to, to the Pharaoh only, basically being the chief of Egypt. And then his brothers come and they ask forgiveness. And Joseph says something very remarkable. He says that you, you had evil plans, but that what you planned for evil, God turned into good to, for the preservation of, of the life of many. And that's very interesting. Joseph not, all, not only says, God brought me through this crisis. He said, no, I went through the crisis, but not with an empty box, like Leo and, uh, and Toby spoke about the box, but with a full box. I was put in a position to help multitudes of people to, su to survive in a famine. And this is a biblical pattern that you see in Jesus as well. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read that Jesus was the beloved son, son of God, but even though he was, he had to learn obedience through suffering. And by that, he was made the author of salvation for many. So Jesus had to undergo the most severe crisis possible. But by undergoing this crisis, believing and forgiving and loving, he became the author of salvation for many. And if you follow Jesus, you will eventually follow the very same pattern. God is not only so loving that he says, I want to keep you from every crisis because this would doom you to immaturity. It's like a loving father doesn't shield his son from, from any negative influences because you, you have to undergo certain dimensions of pressure in order to grow. So God as a loving father does love you, yes, but he also wants to make you salt of the earth and light of the world. And this means that you have an answer for others. Once you have undergone a crisis victoriously, you have a key for unlocking the very same chain for others. Just thinking about a mother who has lost a child. If this mother meets another mother who's lost a child, she will immediately have her full attention because this other lady will have, oh, you have underwent the very same situation and she will listen to, the, to her advice. So I do believe that in this current situation, God asks questions and we need to respond and say, Lord, do in my heart whatever you want to do so that my box is filled, that I have solutions for a world in crisis, that I might become light and salt. Every great invention in human history came out of a crisis situation. And I do believe that the next leap of kingdom of God advance will come out of this crisis. If we stop complaining and asking questions to the crisis and ask God, what is your question to my heart in this situation? I wish you all the best and blessing, a lot of courage, a lot of patience in these difficult times. Blessings. Wow, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Johannes and uh, Tobias Teichen for your inputs. Amazing 
we're all together in this crisis actually around the globe and that's actually for me much much easier but I really do believe if we hold this box to God and say God look there's some issues in this box and under pressure comes only out what has already been in the box this is a very very big opportunity we come stronger out of that season that we enter that crisis actually if we give the Holy Spirit the allowance the permission to do something in me For example, we had an Eastern campaign, usually uh, around Eastern, we have our musical. We have around 10 to 12,000 people that are coming and this year it has been cancelled and we were really frustrated because not only our Eastern musical, also our ICF conference and so on. And we said, okay, this is also an opportunity. And we said, let, 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 let's think and let's create something new. And we came out with a new idea and we ent invent, invented Uh, for us, it's a new topic for Eastern, Eastern uh, new experience. And we had more than 80,000 viewers on, on, on live streaming and everything. This is a, a number we have never seen in our whole entire history of our church. And that's why I really believe if you give God the permission to do something in us, we come stronger out of this aeon than we entered the old season. There's something new. And right now, I would love to pray with you guys I think everyone has a topic and everyone has maybe an issue and everyone has maybe a longing or a prayer in your heart. But I really believe the most important thing right now is if that we give God the full control over our life. Because I think there's maybe some areas we, we, we say, God, you can have the 98%, but there's 2% maybe in my life. It can be the sexuality. It can be your money. It can be maybe your own plans and dreams. And what will happen if we as a body of Christ say, God, I surrender all. I surrender all. And I'm ready for a new aeon. Father God, I'm so thrilled and I'm so thankful that you are in charge of everything. You are still under control. You're still almighty. You're still all present and all known. And you haven't lost the control. And that's why I'm so glad and I'm so centered because I know you have everything in, in, in your hand. And right now I surrender everything right now. And I feel so sorry for all those things. I took my own control. I ask you right now for forgiveness for all my failures and for all my sins. And I surrender. And I want to ask you for forgiveness. I want to make you as my Lord and Savior again. Be my center. Be my aeon. A new beginning in my life. Hey, for us as a church, for me as a leader, a family man and a husband, I really believe, I really do believe this is a new aeon. It's a new season where we come stronger out than we have entered that season. When we give the Holy Spirit the permission to open our lives, our boxes, and we get empty, God is filling us with a Holy Spirit who is stronger than any forces. The Holy Spirit is covering us, is leading us, guiding us, teaching us, according to the Word of God. And let's give God right now, let's give the Holy Spirit right now the permission to do something new. Praise and worship helps me actually 
often to make a commitment is also a statement. It's not only uh, nice lyrics and good written and nice sounds. It's always a prayer. It's actually a statement. God, here I am. I surrender my life completely. Wherever you are, can you stand for a moment or you can kneel for a moment? to meet me right now and I love this song this is a statement everyone is in a different place maybe in a different position you have different circumstances but we're all together in this crisis the whole entire world the whole globe we're all together in that crisis that means we believe in the same God and we believe God is not finished yet we don't believe that the best days behind us I really believe I really do believe that the best time is in front of us if we give God the permission right now fill me fill this place change me revive me restore me awaken me God do in me a miracle for a new aeon for a new season for a new lifetime God is not finished yet church it's an awakening call from God Almighty to the body of Christ and we were stronger than ever Lord come in this place <laughs> 